that we are seeking to be not just the place where men is or where men are but we are seeking a place a place a niche where God himself is domiciled and we know that when we get to that place everything that is of us will be found this is the place we are seeking take us there Lord take us there Lord take us there take us there the world doesn't have much to offer us the world has nothing nothing to offer us therefore we have come the Lord take us there take me there take me there take me there where you are take Lord take me there Oh, take me there, take me there, take me there, where you are, take, Lord, take me there, oh, take me there, take me there, take me there. Where you are, take for the last time, take me there. Oh, take me there. Oh, take me there. Take me there. Where you are, take me there. Father, we thank you. Father, you are the God creator of heaven and earth father it is unto you we have come this evening father take us there as you minister unto us may your words literally carry us into our experience your word says that as you ministered unto ezekiel your spirit set him up onto his feet as you spoke unto him Father, the words that I will minister today, I come just as a vessel, that my words will be spirit and life. 
literally lifting these ones as vessels for the purposes that which you have established for the restoration of that which you have set forth in the name of jesus we declare that these ones will be set apart as your word is coming they will be vessels they will be ambassadors they'll be emissaries to spare the change which you desire in the precious name of jesus we pray thanksgiven amen 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 all right so I have a very, very simple tax this evening. And I expected events only agenda here, but we have some ladies here. Uh, so God will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. God will help us. God will help us. So I have a very simple agenda. Oh, I think you can come and sit here. We have a very simple, I have a very simple agenda. And I, I pray for grace that God will help me minister. So I think this week, it was in the newspaper in UK, a newspaper in UK, that for the first time in history, the number of children born in minority, the minority of the number of children born, as when you take all the children born this year or for, a, for this period, the minority of them are born to parents who are together or to a couple. Minority. To a couple minority are born to a couple. So the majority of children are born to just anyone. Yes. And it's an agenda the devil has an intention of. He set it a very long time. He monitored it for years. And he's observed it to come. When I was coming in the car, the, I had a conference and the lady that sat behind me so i came with a lady she had to drop us and she was talking with the other another guy behind me and then she just said that oh her parents are not together and i know that for some of you here that is the case and the devil has intentionally created a system that it becomes so normal to you how many of you feel like it's normal i mean if you are not marrying you just get somebody you just get a get pregnant and and the devil has an agenda with that and we would actually go to to see what is his intention there is a place that a man plays in a child's life there's a place a woman plays in a child's life if a woman decides that oh i have my money you know and i'm not getting my husband so I, I can just get someone to impregnate me and have a baby. How many of you think that it's okay, it's okay? I mean, she has her money. Yeah, she will just get someone to impregnate and then she's gone. But those children, that is where the problem is. They are intentional seeds that the devil is sowing. And tonight my duty is to shine light on the works of the devil. And I believe that as light is coming, you be spearheaders of this. I'll give us statistics very soon of what is happening. And I believe that after this, many of us will be taxed that as we are growing up and we are coming into families, some of the men here will decide to intentionally mentor children that are born to single mothers. Yeah. I have a personal agenda like that. 
I want to have at least 50 children like that. Yeah. And I'm close to having my first daughter. Sure, by next year. I have one in mind. I've started playing the role, but soon enough, I'll make it official. So I'll have a daughter. So maybe the, the next time they are doing an intro for me, will be he has one daughter. One daughter. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So um, um, she's a bit old, but we are trying to build, bridge the gap. We just want a single mother, and she has never had a proper male player role in her life. Yeah, and it's very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. So I'm going to share that some statistics in Ghana. We are statistics. How many of you are doing statistics here? Uh, our statistics is all over the place. We don't have proper statistics for anything. But I'll give us statistics from other places, alright? Alright, so I'm going to give us statistics of some of these things and its implication on society. Okay. Now initially it started small and, and the women that were single mothers, they were shy. It felt like an abomination. How many of you you ever felt that you are probably in, in movies, like some of you are quite honest. Probably in movies, there was an error. You dare not. Your child was a bastard. You you can't. So it was an abomination to decide that you just born one. But right now, it looks like the norm of the day. Everybody is in it. In fact, people want to make sure that they have a number of children before they decide to officially get married. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, some of you in the church have mentalities like this. Yeah, the devil has worked on you for a very long time. <laughs> but tonight you'll be free. Tell your neighbor tonight you'll be free. So I want to quickly share some statistics with us. And we would proceed from there. Alright. Okay. So the statistics shows that... Sorry. In fatherless homes, okay in fatherless homes now before i go to the statistics when you enter a prison or a statistics are shown when for a prison okay and this is a different in a different country three quarters of the men that were there were fatherless or did not have who had an absentee father three quarters of the men that were in the prison had an absentee father What's the reason? It has huge implications. So let's see the other statistics. 63% of all suicides, suicide victims, had an absentee father. 63%. of rapists had an absentee father. 89%. 85% of youths in jail in America is terrible. The young black women, ah, their children in jail the whole time. The man is running away because he didn't have a father who stayed by his mother. He doesn't know what it takes to be a father. So he also runs away. And the devil has created a cycle like that. The young boy will grow up and do the same thing and spread like fire. He never had a man in his home to understand what it felt like being a man and i watched a video one young girl was asking that she wants to know her daddy and the mother was like she'll slap her if she ever sees that again yeah it has dark consequences in the life of the child 75 percent of 
young patient seeking drug abuse treatment at 25 25%. 71% of children who did not finish school, they had an absentee father. And children with an absentee father are 400% likely to end up in poverty or abusing drugs. That's how staggering the statistics is. And that is why we must understand that as men, there is a role for us to play. And that is why as women here, you must understand that accepting a man to marry is not just a man that would be for your benefit, but for your children in mind. Yes. Or deciding that you want to go the way of the world. Yeah, I was saying that to the ladies. Accepting a man has implications on the kind of children you'd have and the kind of output your children will turn out to be. And that's how serious it is. It's not about who is nice and what is happening nice now. It has major, major consequences. And so we would want to understand God's agenda for the man, the contemporary man, the modern man, and they are okay. So we would want to understand God's agenda for the man. God, what God expects from a man, and this man is the man we will call the model man, the model man. So the model man basically has five mindsets or five scopes or five divisions and these are the ones we are going to explore okay so in god's definition of who a man is he's expected to generally there's a general scope yes to have five dimensions now the first one is the model man as a priest he's first of all a priest he's first of all a priest secondly he's a servant he's a servant he's a servant thirdly he's a king he's a king fourth he's a husband he's a husband and number five he's a father He's a father. So the first one we are going to explore is the model man as a priest. The model man as a priest. Genesis 2 verse 15. Someone should do the reading for us. Genesis 2 15, yes. Please pay attention to this, okay? Now as a man, when you listen to this, begin to see how best you can position yourself to be a priest unto God. Alright, Genesis 2 verse 15.
says that and the lord god took the man and put him in the garden of eden the word dressed there is the word to cultivate it and to keep it now the word till and keep cultivate and keep dress and keep are priestly terms okay after this the next time you find these two words or subsequent times you find these two words used together the connotation has to do with priest seven in the temple so it has to do with the priest tending and serving in the house okay so tending and keeping the charges in the temple tending and serving so these are priestly terms so god's idea of putting adam in the garden now the garden eden means what eden means presence of god okay now in biblical logic where does the presence of god dwell in a temple so eden is a is a temple of god okay is a temple and god took adam as a priest and placed him in the temple so adam was officially operating as a priest in the temple of god so with adam being in eden adam was operating like a priest in the temple of god okay now god says that he took man and placed him in the place of his presence to act like a priest or to act as a priest now we need to understand the jurisdiction or the 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 role that is expected of a priest to perform and once we understand that we know what god expects of us okay now god had given him jurisdiction over that particular territory as a priest and as a priest a priest acts as a spiritual oversight over a territory he determines the things that are permitted in that territory and the things that are not permitted now when priesthood is absent or when priesthood is compromised there are a lot of statuses that fall wayward so you find out in scripture that when the priests are set aside the nation of israel goes into destitute they begin to engage in all forms of negativity and when the nation is to be restored what will happen is that you find out in many times that the king will call forth the priest then the priest will read the status of the lord and based on that the the nation will be reinstituted are we clear so priesthood has to do with things that are permitted on a land and things that are not permitted in a land so now when you find a particular activity operating in cycles operating in a realm that god has allocated unto you it is not god's duty to deal with it because he has allocated it unto you as your territory let me help you appreciate it when the devil came into the garden of eden it was adam's responsibility to ensure that the operations of the devil were silent and that he was supposed to be dispatched out of the garden it was not god's responsibility it was adam's responsibility he has been given the responsibility to tend and to keep it and so if adam did not do it and the devil was at liberty to influence his territory it was because as a priest he wasn't functioning 
therefore only has room to operate in a sphere where the priesthood is not functional. So as a priest, you notice in your family, in your life, there are certain occurrences that are occurring that are not normal. And if you don't deal with it as a priest, you have permitted the devil access to operate there. Let me give an example. Maybe you have found a certain disease or a certain pattern operating. It, it showed in your father's father. It showed in your father. And you are observing it. It is your duty as a priest to ensure that it doesn't operationalize where you are. Now, it was Adam's responsibility to ensure that his wife does not listen to the voice of the serpent. It is the priest's duty in the home to ensure that the serpent or women are not deceived by serpents. Now, women naturally submit to priests. And let me prove it to you. When you naturally find a man who is not functioning as a priest, and you find a lady who is increasingly growing spiritually, she wants to submit to her pastor. Just look at how she treats her pastor. And the reason is because the husband is not operating as a priest. So she wants to give the best of hers to her pastor. She wants to spend much time in church with her pastor. Why? Because priesthood is present. Do you understand that? Yeah. So as a man, your duty is not to tell your wife that you are going to church plenty. If you are operating as a priest in your house to ensure that your altar is on fire, you think she'll be moving from one prophet to another, one prayer come to another. She knows that if I stay with my husband, we can deal with this issue. But you find, what do you find now? Many women, when you go to most of these false deceptive areas, where, what do you find there? Women. Why? Because priesthood is absent. And so the devil, the serpent has gained entry to deceive the women. And it's intentional. Once the devil makes sure that as a man, men are not functioning as priests, he knows that women will always be susceptible to this temptation. So he makes sure that as a man, being spiritual looks on God. Yeah. Yeah. So you find out that, oh, as a man, what you have to have is money. Forget all these prayer, prayer things. It has an impact in your home. It has an impact. So as a man, as a priest, it is your duty to determine things that are operationalized, the things that are permitted within the jurisdiction God has entrusted unto you. You don't just allow anything to happen. You are the leader there. You take this, you lead the family. Things shouldn't be happening on your blind side. Amen. Amen. To tend and to keep. I want us to look at something in Ezekiel 22, verse 13. Verse 
fit. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Amen. Amen. Now, God was looking for someone to stand in a place to ensure that his purposes are fulfilled. Now, as a man, for God's agenda to be operationalized or to be functional in your home, you need to know your role and be effective in your role as a priest. You need to do what? Know your role and be effective in your role as a priest. It is not your duty for your wife to be waking you up to pray. If you're a man here and that's in the state you find yourself, know that you are, you are hidden your destiny for doing. Yes. Know God for yourself. Have a personal altar. Have a personal relationship. Have, have an assurance that you know God. Have an assurance, a testimony that you know God. The model man as a priest. He acts as a gatekeeper. He acts as a head. Let me see my time. Okay. My time is limited. I don't go here. But God is looking for men who stand in the gap. There are many things that are happening. If you look deep into your family, you look at your own academic life. Why are you not passing easily? This thing shouldn't pass down to your child. You, you, they must carry a different system. Make life easy for them. Lay the ground. Deal with things. You are seeing negative patterns. Stay with God. Trust God and deal with them. I'm praying for all the men here. That God will grant you grace to stand in your place as a priest. In the name of Jesus. Amen. The second one is the model man as a servant. The model man as a servant. The model man as a servant. Now I want you to look at something. The scripture says that God put Adam in the garden to tend and to keep. So Adam's function was to tend and to keep the garden or to cultivate the garden. But when Adam fell, he had to go cultivate the ground outside the garden from which he was formed. Now, in the place of God, or in the purposes of God, Adam was supposed to serve the agenda of the king in the garden. But when he fell, he had to now cultivate the ground from which he was taken. He became selfish and was only interested in his agenda. The model man is not made after this order. He's one that serves with the tools he has been given by God to serve the kingdom of God and its master, our Lord Jesus Christ, to serve the church, to serve the nation, to serve in the workplace, to serve society, and to serve the country. 
model man as a servant. It's made to serve. Servants do not think of themselves first. They think of the agenda of the kingdom. They think of the agenda of their master first. Let's look at this verse. Luke 22, verse 25 to 27. I like the Passion Translation. Luke 22. Yes, anyone? Now, this is Jesus himself talking. Now, when Jesus talks, you need to pay, pay special attention to what he says. Yeah. All right, please pay attention. The Passion Translation 25. Jesus interrupted their argument, saying, the kings and men of authority. Now, what was happening here was that the disciples were arguing among themselves. Who is the greatest? Yeah. So, this is what Jesus is going to say about what greatness really is. Please read. So, Jesus interrupted them and the said something. Saying, the kings and men of authority in this world now say that if you come into the world when they say that someone is a leader or someone is in charge his duty is to rule oppressively he doesn't care about what you think he just does whatever he wants to do rule oppressively over their subjects claiming that they do it for the good of the people now they'll claim like we see in our politicians they claim that they are doing it for your good yet we know that it's the opposite for their selfishness. All right. They are obsessed with how others see them. 26. But this is not your calling. This is not your calling. Everybody say, this is not my calling. This is not my calling. So we are going to understand what really is our calling. You will lead by a different model. You will lead by a different model. And what is the model of God? The greatest one among you will live as one called to serve others. Without honor. The greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one who has a servant's heart. The greatest honor is reserved for the one who has a servant's heart. Now I'm going to pick it from society and then bring it down into the kingdom. Now, traditionally, or maybe some of you your homes, your fathers have depicted a pattern that looks like men are not supposed to do chores in the house. How many of you, unfortunately, might, you know somebody who comes from a home like that? It's not you, you know someone. You, it's not you, you know someone who comes from a home like that, exactly. And so you have naturally gravitated to the point where you feel like it is beyond you to do certain things, right? Yeah. If you are not living alone, living in your room, here and probably you're at home. When you finish eating, you'll be served. I and mean, your, your, your sister will come and take your plate, you know, wash it for you. All, all you need to do is just sit and relax. And, and, and yeah. And it's unfortunate. We carry this mentality almost everywhere. Now, God says that 
Our model is not like that in the world. We are called to serve. In fact, I've seen, I, I, I spent some time, this is not to degrade those in the north, but I spent some time in the north, uh, I think sometime last year, and some of the men, they don't do anything, anything at all. In fact, you can see that the woman is overwhelmed. She cannot keep up with what she's doing. Yet, she's expected to do that, fend for all. And the man will just sit down, unconcerned. Yes. Unconcerned. Now, Jesus says that that is not the model we have been interested in with. As a man, start in your home. Learn to do small chores. Tend, tend to one gentleman, one fine gentleman, sitting by you and tell him that learn to do chores. I'm sure some, some are not happy, but look at somebody who is not happy about this, intentional. Look at his face and tell him, learn to do chores. Now, God expects us to serve in the home as well. It is not beyond you to do certain chores. It is not beyond you. Some people are not happy with me, but I'll say it. It is not beyond you to do certain chores at home. That is why you can't come to church and scrub washroom because you feel it's a lady's duty. You can't take the broom to sweep because you feel it's a lady's duty. You can't serve in the house of God because you have created a false mentality in your head. <laughs> but the model man knows how to serve at home. Tell your neighbor, the model man knows how to serve at home as well. The model man knows how to serve at home. Now, let's quickly jump into the workplace. Now, move from the workplace and then I'll come to the church. Now, let's look at two scriptures. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 18 to 19 ecclesiastes 5 18 to 19 and then colossians 3 22 to 25 colossians 3 22 to 25 passion translation strictly ecclesiastes 5 verse 18 to 19 and this is what i have observed to be good that it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor. Under the sun, during the few days of life God has given them, for this is their lot. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. Amen. Now. The scripture says that it is the gift of God to be happy with the work you are doing and to enjoy or to profit from the labor you are doing. Which means that work is from God. Oh, somebody is not happy. Work is from God. I, I know some of you wish you sleep and you don't have much to do and you are enjoying your life. But the scripture says that the real enjoyment is when you work. And out of your labor, you bear fruit. And say that this is a gift of God. And let's read Colossians 3, 22-25 before I say this. Now, I, I think I can say it in person. Now, many Christian men 
have been reclined to think that it is only what they do in the house of God that is known as the work of God. How many of you think that when we say serving God, there is only the things you do in church? How many of you thought that was it? Serving God, I, I, I have, yeah, exactly. Because we have, we have been limited to a certain mindset that the only time you get to serve God is when you do things in the church. But today I want to introduce a different mentality into your mind. Now, what was Adam's work? That was the work he was doing. But I just explained to you that that's an act of priesthood. And to God, that is worship. So Adam's work was an act of worship unto God. So the way you approach your work is a reference as to how you are worshipping God. Yeah. And many of you are students. I'm sure all of you are students. So the way you approach your academic work, it's a reflection of your worship to God. He has given you something to do. Why don't I do it well? For men to see that I'm treating what God has entrusted unto me well. Yeah. Why don't I do that? It's your worship. I'm sure when God gave Adam the work, Adam was not sleeping, doing whatever he wanted there. It was a reflection of how he treated what God had given. So let's look at Colossians 3, 22 to 25. Colossians chapter 3, 22 to 25. Passion translations. Passion translations. Let every employee listen well and follow the instructions of their employers, not just when their employers are watching, and not in pretense, but faithful in all things. For we are to live our lives with pure hearts, in the constant awe and wonder of our Lord God. Put your heart and soul into every activity you do. As though you are doing it for the Lord himself and not merely for others. Now, the scripture says that the work you are doing as an employee, now you are a student. What you are doing as a student, do it as if you are learning for God. Yes. So just look at, just do a retrospect. Uh, look at how you have been learning. <laughs> Does it really reflect you learning for Jesus? So, so right now when, when, when you go back and you are studying, Steady as if you are learning for Jesus. Yeah. Steady as if you are. Carry this mindset. This should be the way you should approach things. That is how you can be able to minister to people there. God has strategically placed you there to minister to them. You should, they shouldn't be doing better than you. Imagine somebody, God says, you have the mind of Christ. And you are placing E's and F's. Mind of Christ. You have been given an advantage by Jesus. Uh, carry that mentality. Approach your studies like that. People should be coming to you and you should be telling them that this is a testimony of Jesus. Yeah. This is a testimony of Jesus. Uh, when I was doing my undergrad, I think there were times uh, there was this young, very powerful young man in my class. Very, very powerful. And he was breaking paper. And you go to him and he'll show you based on scripture and there were people that were there was once another young man approaching i was doing very well in my academics and i showed him a scripture in psalm 119 
and says that by obeying your statuses, I have more understanding than my teachers. And that boy held on to that word. Men should come to your life, your life. You shouldn't be failing. That is not life. You shouldn't be failing. You have the mind of Christ. Failure shouldn't be your, what should be mentioned of you. You should be excelling. That is how men will be drawn onto that life. You find yourself in the workplace. You should be one of the best people there. Shouldn't be speaking, talking about people who are lazy and are there. Look at the life of Jesus. Just look at Jesus walking on it. Do you think if Jesus was in your class, he would be lazy about? The scripture says that whatsoever you are doing, do it as if you are doing it unto him. Learn like you are learning for Jesus. Yeah. Learn like you are learning for Jesus. It's what he has given you. It's something he has entrusted unto you. You see, one of the things we must recognize was that when Jesus came to the earth and was choosing his disciples, who did you see that the person was sitting there not doing anything and Jesus said, come follow me? He found them working. There were some, they were fishermen, hard-working people. Jesus doesn't work with lazy people. Don't lazy about you because you can't do anything and feel like you're the one God should use. God, God also likes the best. If you, are, if you actually know who Moses was, Moses was a very learned person. Just look at the people God used most. Old Testament Moses, New Testament Apostle Paul. Just look at their track record. Very serious people. Very, very serious. Very serious. See, I learned something. In the Egypt, Asian Egyptians, they believed that there were ten parts of God's wisdom. And they had nine part of it and the rest of the world was sharing one yeah and and Moses studied so much you see Moses knew so much that he could write literature he could write music he could write law you are just studying one course and you are not seeing top <laughs> yet you have the mind of Christ so the scripture says that in heaven you sing the song of Moses he wrote music songs that you'll be singing he was doing all these things. Yet one course, one sociology, you are not seeing top. You are disturbing everybody with it. Sit with God. Let God help you. Study like Jesus should assist you. Yes. He will open multiple ways. Approach your academics like that. God is interested in your academics as well. God is interested in your academics. When you go into the field of work, when you go to work, work like one Jesus is working with. Let him take over what you are doing. I work with him all the time. The other time I was telling my team that I think in the Holy Ghost. That is where I think. That is where I think. And when my mind is blocked, I speak in tongues and think with God. And you assist me. So you see doing nice things. I bring nice policies. I develop policies for some companies. How did you know this? It's God. He will teach you business too. Yes. He will teach you how to manage your life. Tell somebody, whatsoever you are doing, with your academics, any other thing, do it as you are doing for the Lord. Then now we are coming into the kingdom, the house of God. How many of you are serving in departments? 
I'm sure all of you are serving. As for you, you only want to come to church and go. You, you only want to come to church and go. When there are programs and everybody is leaving, as a man, you are fighting with ladies for bus. When there are chairs to be packed, a model man doesn't do that. Yes. There are chairs to be, there are things to be done. Then you are running away. We, we are fighting to be the first to enter. For what? Serve in the house of God. Serve in the house of God. Jesus paid a price for you. Pay, a, pay your quota. Pay your quota in the house of God. Make sure that in the, in the house of God, you have a place that is dedicated towards you as your place of service. I believe somebody is doing that in Jesus' name. Yeah. How many of you are, are, are transforming? You change, uh, you change, you change. All right, all right. So we want to quickly move to the model man as a king. I'm not sure of this scripture, but I think we start from Genesis 18, verse 19. The model man as a king. For I have chosen him so that he would direct his children and his household after him. Give me give King James. Now listen to how King James will put it. Now God is saying that the reason why he chose Abraham and not any other person is because of this. So listen to God. Now God says that I know Abraham, that Abraham will be able to command his household and children after me. He didn't say he will entreat them. He didn't say he will beg them. He says that he will ensure. Now when I came here, God says that there are certain levels of dominion and certain levels of things that he cannot entrust onto you. Certain areas of power he will not be able to give onto you until he knows that you have the capacity to command systems after him. Even in your room, you are shy to tell your roommate about Jesus. Your younger siblings at home, you cannot even carry them to church. Yet you want God to entrust a whole city onto you, nations onto you. You are joking. You are joking. Probably this for men when they become fathers. Your child, I, I see homes that the man will be like, oh, the child doesn't want to go to church. Munjaino, after all, is a young child. But is that how they approach things when the child doesn't want to go to school? Yeah. You see how much the devil is deceiving us. Say, so, oh, it's just a child. Yet the things that the devil is doing with children in this age will amaze you. The things they know, the things the devil is introducing them to, it will shock you. And some of you, you know the things you knew when you were quite young. Yeah. And if your parents are aware of the things you know, they'll be surprised. 
Yeah. Says that I know him. That he will be able to command his children. He will be able to command his household. He will be able to command his company. If God entrusts a whole business onto you, can you be able to lead everybody in the business after the way a man of God should lead them? If God should entrust anything to your political appointment, should God make you a CEO? Can you make people do devotions there? Yet, you see, you find this with Muslims wherever they find themselves. They don't care. Once they will do their worship there, yet you are afraid. Ah. God says that you command. You command his household. God is looking for such men who have boldness. Who have the boldness. To be able to do that and he's willing to entrust territories he's willing to gift nations onto them let's look at the first dominion where a man should rule so as a king a man is expected to rule god expects you to rule but there's a primary place you must start ruling from so let's look at first thessalonians 4 verse 4 I like the Amplified. First Thessalonians 4 verse 4. First Thessalonians 4 verse 4. That each one of you should know how to possess, control, and manage his own body in Now, each one of you should know how to manage and possess your own body so the first place god expects you as a man to be able to have rulership over is your own body everybody say self-control self-control self self so i'll start it from one point and i'll bring it to another as a king you need to know how to carry your body in honor yeah you need to know how to carry yourself about you need to know how to organize yourself as a man. You are hungry. You buy porridge by the roadside, just tear in your mouth. There. You, you, you lack self-control. Amen. The scripture says that as a, you need to know how to possess your body. Keep your body. You are hungry. What do you do? Fighting everybody. Yeah. You need to know how to control your body. Sexual appetite. I'll talk about this. And when I said it, some people wanted to burn their head. Hey, the church, you can be focused. How many of us as men, we have sexual appetite? You, you've ever had sexual appetite? Some of you. <laughs> Yeah, I want to ask the question again. I just want to make sure that everybody is safe and sound. Maybe we can pray for the rest of us. You, you, no, I, I didn't say that as a man. You are doing things in, in your room. I said, those, those with, you know you have sexual appetite. You, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, there are some, they, they don't have. 
like my, I have a friend somewhere here. He, da he doesn't. <laughs> now, now, now. Now, I'll, I'll talk about this. I'll talk about this. It is, it is normal as a man to have sexual appetite. It actually shows that you are healthy. Okay, it is, it is, it is normal. And so if you don't have, uh, probably something is wrong with you. It is not, at a certain stage, your body has been designed to be able to have an attraction for the opposite sex. Now, I remember, I, I shared this, I remember when I was in third year in Legon. See, I, I was wondering what was wrong with my body. Because I, I, <laughs> the pressure. But you see, I have to understand. <laughs> <laughs> Man of God, this spiritual. <laughs> now, now, I need to understand what was happening. So if I don't understand what is happening to me, I'll just give in to my edges, like what everyone else is doing. But you see, you need to understand that Mike Modoc says that these cravings is actually your, your generations, your children. They are calling for expression. Yes. And I said, Mike, you need to be wise. Are you ready to have them come? They are only calling. They want to come. Yeah. Are you ready to bring them out now? That means that you should know how to keep those appetites. So it is the appropriate time and the appropriate place to release them. So when you marry, make sure you have plenty of it. Right? You, you, and you enjoy many, many times. But until... Until you are married, so you come to the modern man as a husband. Until you are married, God expects you to know how to keep your body, to know how to possess all these edges within you without exploding. Amen. Amen. God expects you to know how to keep your body. I wanted to say something, I just missed it. God expects you to know how to keep your body. And not just give in to promiscuity. Now I would parallel it with a particular thing that happened in Israel. Now there was a time I personally believed that God was preparing the hearts of the children of Israel for a king. Okay, so the scripture says that there was a time the elders, they came to Samuel. And they said that Samuel, we want a king like all the other nations now god had already said in deuteronomy that he was going to give israel a king in fact prophesied in genesis that um 49 that out of uh, your when he was giving the prophecy to judah that out in, from in between your ties you know what is in between the tie of a man that is where his generations are that is where kingship will come out of so god had already given a prophecy that the king has to come out from the tribe of Israel. So God was preparing the heart of Israel to have a desire for, the, for a king. And I believe that this is one of the ways God works. One of the things he does is that he begins to prepare your heart ahead of time. And what you need to do is that you need to stay put in the place where God is prepared. So there are some of you, God may be preparing you for ministry. You feel burdened. You begin to feel a lot of you, you, you have the desire. You want to do something. Yeah. It's God preparing you for it. He wants you to stay with him and build yourself. But you see what happens to many of the people that just start running. You notice that they crash. 
So God begins to prepare the hearts of the children of Israel for a king. And they come to Samuel and are like, Samuel, we are tired of your leadership. In fact, we want a king for ourselves. And God says that, Samuel, it is not you the people have rejected. It is me. So I'm going to give them a king. And he says that, go to the youngest tribe or go to Benjamin and pick a king from there. Now, why didn't God pick from Judah? He was communicating something. He picked from the youngest child to let us understand that their decision was premature. And so many of us, you just jump in. Sex is good. Sex is spiritual. In fact, sex is warfare. If you know how to utilize it, you know how to utilize it in the place of God for yourself. Yeah. But it has a place. And it is in marriage. In marriage, it is very effective. It, it speaks of an agreement of a couple. And they can demand anything on that altar. God will listen. Yes. Now, so God might be... These, these, they are normal. It's only to let you know that Charlie has one, you need to prepare. You have to marry somebody. You understand? So it keeps these things in sight. But if you begin to engage in distractions of the enemy, he leads you astray. And he'll use that same tool against you. you, you so as a king, you need to know how to control yourself. You need to know how to control what you consume, what you drink. The scripture says in Proverbs 30, it says that a king does not want to drink alcohol. You're a king. Your colleagues are drinking left, right, center. You are pressured to follow them, to show that you two are going. On whose count? There are many young men that are smoking now. Many of them, SHS graduates, um, um, university, first year, second, smoking all around the place. What's happening to them? Learn how to possess your body. Learn how to possess your body. As a king, you should know how to talk. There are things you must say, there are things you shouldn't say. There are ways you talk. I don't know if you have heard a king speak before. They, they are calm in their speech. Just wake up, speak by heart. Oh, it doesn't befit you as a king. Carry this kingship mentality, kingship consciousness. The scripture says that as a, as a believer, lies shouldn't come out of your, your mouth. That as a king, you lie, you lie as a routine, you lie as a habit. It shouldn't be. It says, let no profane, Colossians 3, 8, let no profane words come out of your mouth. You hear people saying, then you join same profanity, profane stuff. And you think that, oh, it makes you guy. You are a man, you are a king. Carry this mentality. You're not supposed to engage in things like this. That is not the order God has called you on to. Know how to talk. Know how to present yourself. As a, you need to know what to listen to. You need to know the kind of company you keep. The scripture said concerning Solomon's child. Solomon's son. He had came to these young, young boys. Foolish boys. And at the end, his kingship, his kingdom was split. You need to know who you keep company with. Let's look at this scripture. Proverbs 16, verse 10 
to 13. Second, you need to know how to discipline your tongue. You need to be able to guard your heart. Don't allow any. You, are, you shouldn't be moved by emotions. Someone insults you, they are angry. You get up insulting the person. Hmm. You are angry. You messing up yourself all over the place. You need to know how to keep yourself. Self-discipline. Self-discipline. I want the Passion Translation. Verse 10 to 13. Now look at it. The scripture says that the, the king must he must be extraordinarily careful of the decrees he makes. You get up, people are saying negative stuff, then you join, you utter some. You are printing your destiny. You are you are, you are marking it out by the words you are speaking. Yeah, the scripture in the mouth of the king there is what? Oh, in the mouth of the king there is what? Hi. In the mouth of a king, there is what? Oh, wow. Sunday school. In the mouth of a king, there is power. There is power that will make what you have uttered effective. God has placed power in your mouth as a king. You need to be uttering, I am great. My destiny is established. People are struggling, but I cannot follow after them. You have your colleague coming, oh, yeah, yeah, bro, then you are joining in. The scripture says that, you see, as a king, whatever you are speaking is revelation. You are releasing revelation. So you need to be careful the things you utter. Kindly continue the verse for us. Verse 11. The Lord expects you to be fair in every business deal. For he is the one who sets the standard for righteousness. The Lord expects you to be fair in all your dealings. He expects you to show integrity. In whatsoever you do, continue. Kings and leaders despise wrongdoing. For the true authority to rule and reign is built on the foundation of righteousness. Kings and leaders love to hear godly counsel and they love those who tell them the truth. So, as a king, you must love the counsel of God. You must love the counsel of God. Now, the third one I would want to talk about is as a king, you need to know how to rule over the things God has entrusted unto you. And we are going to look at three of them. The first one is time. Time. As a king, you need to know how to rule over the time that God has given you. In Pro, uh, Matthew 25, the scripture speaks of the parable of the talents. And it says that he gave unto each of them several abilities. Now, there are things that God has entrusted unto us as people, as men, and he expects us to know how to leverage on them to make the most of what he has. Let's look at Psalm 90 verse 12, and then Ephesians 5 verse 15 to 17. So as young men or as young people, like I said when I came, I came to Legon 2014. It feels like yesterday, but it's how many years now? Eight years. Someone tells me that I came to Legon eight years ago, I'll argue with the person. It feels just like yesterday. Some of you here, you feel like you have so much time. 
it isn't the situation and it's really pathetic that's how sad it is You need to know that your days are numbered. You need to, you need to pray that God should teach you to number your days. You need to know that you need to make every single day count. Ephesians 5, verse 15 to 17. I think I, I like the message translation. Message translation or passion translation, one of them. Ephesians 5, verse 15 to 17. Ephesians 5, verse 15 to 17. The message is combined from 11 verses. Don't waste your time on useless things. Now, it says that don't waste your time on useless things. Now, you see, some of you don't have priority for what your time is. Your time doesn't have value. Time doesn't have value. Someone enters your room, hey, Benjamin, you're Oh, you say, ladies, be a pie, wow, it might be Then you are there. You see, nobody respects you like that. You're a king. God has entrusted time onto you to do something with it. And anybody comes, enters, disrupts your activities, and just moves you all over the place. He has no value for your time. And you also don't respect your time. You don't respect your time. Mere busy work. There are some of you are busy for nothing. No productivity. Every day moving here, doing this, no productivity. Tell your neighbor, disengage, disengage. 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 Continue fast. The barren pursuit of darkness. Expose these things for the sham they are. It is, a, it is a standard when people waste their life on things they must do in the darkness where no one will see. Rip the cover off these frauds and see how attractive they look in the light of Christ. Wake up from your sleep. Climb out of your curtain, your coffin. Christ will show you the light. So watch your steps. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Now, the scripture says that the moments we are in, they are desperate times. So make the most. Let every single, I think the Passion Translation says, let every single moment count. Make sure every single moment in your life counts. If you take an inventory of your day, what you did the whole week, are you sure you were profitable with the time God has given you? Make everything, it, it should bother you when you are wasting your time. It should bother you. Time is very expensive. Very expensive. See, and you would wish you had time. Right now, I wish that there were certain things I should have done. Certain opportunities I should have taken would have helped me be better. But it's good cool for me. I can't do them anymore. Time. Time. Continue reading for us. Okay. You could read from there. And don't live foolishly. And don't live foolishly. 
but then you have discernment to fully understand God's will. Now, the scripture says that you must have discernment to understand. You see, making the most of your time means that you must know what God's will is per time and be able to work in it. The scripture in King James puts it this way. It says that walk circumspectly, not as unwise. Don't live your life as the foolish people. They don't walk in discernment. They don't know what God expects them to do their time. There are things God expects you to be doing at this stage of your life. I was taking a roadmap of the things that God expects. And I noticed that he was leading me strategically. There were a few things I missed. And I've missed certain cycles in my life. Yeah. Because I wasn't sensitive. But there are certain things now I'm very conscious. And making sure that I pick them. I won't miss them. And there are few aspects, and I know that they were direct sequence. I hear it, and I know that this is the time he wanted me to pick them. And he, he has proper patterns for your life. He wants you to know them. Don't waste your time. Make sure that every single moment of your life counts. The person you are sitting gossiping over another, of what value will it bring to you? Sometimes just sit down. You spend three hours talking to somebody. What value did he bring to you? You spent your whole time arguing with somebody over sports. What value did he? You see, it, maybe there, there, there are certain engagements you do because you want to break a certain, um, 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 you want to um, break familiarity. You want to make things flow. For example, if you are speaking to your beloved for long, it is very good investment because. Even though you might sometimes not be talking about very profitable things, you are building a communication gap. Am I clear? So, so please don't go and tell your beloved I said your time should be profitable. And uh, she wants to tell you about the things she did in a day. And like, what's this of benefit to me? She, she needs somebody to listen to her. Uh, tell one brother that she needs somebody to listen to her. Exactly. So you need to, to listen. So this is not on that school, but that boy that you are arguing football, Basa, this, this, one hour straight. What benefit? And then the, the, the guy, you don't even have his number. You don't even remember his name. You're gone. Yes. And that's how much you waste your life on things. Make sure that every single thing, if I'm spending 30 minutes, either I should be impacted or I should impact him. If I, can't, if, I, if I want to break the rapport, it is good. So I'll entertain those comments because I want to ensure that now I have a communication with you. Sometimes it's necessary for spreading the gospel. So I'll come and then we will talk about Basa Small. It makes you open to me. When I come, I'll share the gospel with you because I want you to be open to me. So you just have an investment mentality that your time is... An, so if you are giving your time to someone, you are investing into that particular person. So tell somebody, do you know that your time is money? Just think about the things you did with your time today. If, you, if that was money, is that how you are going to spend money? Now that leads us to our second thing, and that is money. Money. Huh. Say money. Money is very, very important. And God wants to bless us with money. But the strategy of God's blessing us with money is not that one day we'll be rich. 
how many of you believe that one day you'll be rich, you'll be rich, and one day, one day? Uh -huh. But you see, it is a very dangerous mentality if we don't take critical steps to ensuring that we carry a jackpot mentality. One day you stumble upon something, you get some job, leaders, you get money. No. God is a precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. Because he's building you. He's building, he's refining you. You need to be disciplined in the way you spend money. What do you spend your money on? Now, I'll give every young man a tax here for an entire month. Intentionally record all the expenses, all the things you spend your money on. And just look at what you spend your money on the most. I can tell you what I spend my money on the most. I record all my transport, my expenses. So I know if I, if I give this brother five CDs, I'll record it. Yeah, I'll record it. Now, I don't, I don't record it to just um, for record sake. Sometimes I feel shy, so I don't make them people see. But I record it so that I track what I'm doing. If at the end of the month, all my money, I'm dashing it to people, then I have to start vetting what are the people doing with my money. <laughs> exactly. Because if every day, oh, you're like, oh, Charlie, you don't get anything, then I give you, I give you. Then over time, I measure how much I've given you. Then I look at of what benefit it is. I'm not just helping you as helping the poor. I, you have to give to the poor. You have to engage the covenant that God has for you. Pay offerings, pay your tithes. But you need to be circumspect in what you are doing with your money. You look at how much you are spending on food. I'm sure some of you don't know. You just go to night market one day. You are hungry. You feel for something. You just spend. Yeah. If you live your life like that, riches will elude you. Ah. Let me show you a scripture. Proverbs 21, verse 20. Amplified. Proverbs 21. There are precious treasures and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a self-confident and foolish man swallows it up and wastes it. Now, this is what the scripture is saying, that when you find a wise person, he always has money stored up for him. But when you look at a foolish man, every money he gets, he spends everything. So God is telling you that if you are here, your parents give you, no matter how small the amount is, and at the end of the month, you spend everything. You're a foolish man. Yes. That's what God is saying. That... If at the end of the month, you are giving money, maybe your parents can only afford to give you 50 CDs. And at the end of the month, the entire 50 CDs is gone. You are foolish. No matter how small it is, God expects you to be able to build a, a discipline out of it. He expects you to, if you live your life like that, he cannot entrust riches onto you. He can't. You're indisciplined. You're indisciplined. I'm looking for another verse. Please find this verse for me in Proverbs. It says that one that desires oil and, and pleasure shall be poor. Please find it for me. Yeah. That's the verse I want to share. 
the scripture says that there's one that desires, I think it's oil and jewelry. I think it's a, it is another one. The, the amplified, it says that there are precious treasures and oil in the dwelling. Okay, I found it. Verse 17. It says that he that loveth pleasure. Verse 17, please read it for me. Verse 17. He who loves pleasure will be a poor man. Now, it says that if you like pleasure every day, that you want to chill yourself. Ah. You, you see, you go to night market, you don't eat what is necessary. The scripture says in Ecclesiastes that, you see, the princes, the king, the, the mature ones, they eat as, as needed. Yeah. The scripture says that if you go, you, you just, every day, you say, oh, today I'm craving for this. Then you go, 20 Ghana, gone. Today I'm craving for this. Then you order, go. Today I'm craving for this. It says that you be poor. Yeah. If you delight in pleasure, you be poor. The continuation, please read it. Every day after eating, you have to drink a drink. Yeah. Tell your neighbor he's not talking about me. Tell it, irrespective of how much money you have. Tell it, you, you, are, you are walking somewhere, you see something, you have to buy. No control. No, you can't say that today I'll buy this. Even if you are fasting, you have to buy it and keep it. So that when you break your fast, you eat it. You can't let it pass. Now, now let me show you something. Just, just, just look at this picture. When you go to an event eh, and you see rich men coming to take their food, you, you see how they take their food. They take a little of this. But just look at how when poor people... Uh, they, they have a possessive mentality. They, they have to eat all because don't get some again. Yes. If you live your life, your, your mindset is a poor mentality. And, and you know, before God can take you, he has to work on your, your mindset will limit him. God has riches for you, but your mindset is poor, poverty mentality. And you're wondering why resources don't come. They don't come. They can't come. You, God wants to bless you for the kingdom, but he'll give you money, you go and buy fried rice with it. Yes. Yes. There are some of you, if I give you 2,000 CDs today, oh, by the end of the month, you can't even record, report what you did with the money. How many of you have received some substantial amount of money and you don't even know how the money was spent? Uh, now start tracking those expenses and, and be wise. Yeah. If you want to go far with God, you want God to trust you with material resources. You need to live your life like this. You can't spend on you, any new shoe. You want to buy some. You want to own any kind of phone. It's pleasure. So if you like this life, you will never be rich. Am I communicating? I believe you are learning. Now, the third thing that God wants you to take control when you are interested with is with opportunities 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 now there's a quote in the book the richest man in babylon and i i recommend that book for all of you it says that opportunity is a haughty goddess who wastes no time with the unprepared or with those who are not ready
opportunity. And God will present some of you with many opportunities to prepare. There are sometimes God is communicating to you. Just organize this together, put this document together. Get, then all what you are interested in is you are tired, you have to sleep. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is ministering to you. Learn this, try and read this. He wants to help you put things together. Opportunity to make the most of things. But you, you just look at how things are going like, oh, maybe I'm a bro. Sometimes he's waking you up to pray. There are things he wants you to deal with. There are windows he has opened up for you. Yeah. Sometimes he wants to connect you to people. He has brought certain people your way. And he wants you to go and speak to them. They are, I'm shy. Your destiny, you are doing it away. And, and sometimes you would you, you, you finish school. And you'll be wondering why things are stagnating. And these are opportunities God has brought your way all the time. Opportunities. A second, you need to learn how to make the most of opportunities. You shouldn't be letting opportunities be passing. There are many opportunities for you to do so many things. Opportunities to build skills, proper skills. Opportunities to leverage. There's a program somewhere, the Holy Spirit is ministering to you, that, check it out. But your friends are playing game and that is what you are interested in. Opportunities. What are you doing with them? What are you do? God expects us to be responsible as a king. You need to be responsible. You need to be responsible. Let me quickly touch on the last two. The model man as a husband. Now the scripture says in Ephesians that as, as a bridegroom, what the scripture was saying is that he was able to keep the bride pure. Unto the coming day of the Lord. Please find that verse for me. I was able to keep the bride pure. How many of you have seen that scripture before? So that I can just bash on. Oh, you've read it before. Now, one of the things God ministered to me as a to be husband is that I need to be able to present my wife as a bride pure before the altar of God. I shouldn't, what, how do you call it, defile her before time you can't hold your emotions in place god expects you that by the time you are presenting that this is my husband this is my wife at the altar you have kept yourself holy and pure and not engaged in side activities i hope i'm communicating i hope i'm communicating god expects us to be able to live our lives like that he has entrusted that mandate onto us and to be a model man as a husband, he expects you to do that. Yeah. He expects you to do that. There are a few other things I would have really liked to talk to the men, if we were, but I would, I would, I would, I would share it. Christian men, please don't be boring. Let me repeat it again. Christian men, please don't be boring. You see, God is a very interesting God and he has shown that he carries a feminine heart as well as a masculine heart. And you see, if you look at the way God, David pampers God, the kind of words David uses 
after God. It shows you that, Charlie, when God is speaking concerning the female, they want to hear words like this. The lady has done her nice hair. She's turning her head left, right. You can't see that her hair is nice. <laughs> Tell the brother, don't be dull. Learn how to say sweet things. It doesn't make you less spiritual. No. That is tell the lady that, oh, your dress is nice. You are looking pretty today. Oh. Say nice. Then the, the sons of Philistines. The Philistines are the ones saying these nice things. And their ladies' heads are swelling up and they are following them. They are deceiving them away. Men, Christian men, men, please know how to take action. Uh, uh, read, read books uh, that you can learn terms, you can learn words. Learn how to say nice things. Uh, every day the, the lady is saying, oh, I want us to go here. You can't go, don't say no, me, I can't. Oh, sweetheart, I'm occupied today, but I'll blow your mind. Yes, oh, you, you need to learn how to say nice things. Yeah. The lady wants to talk to you. You are busy. Don't just say, get away with your hammering. Jebia, you want to talk. Jebia, what is this? Make her my breath. Hey. Say, oh, as for today, I'm occupied. But how about us going for a walk tomorrow? My day is just for you. Hey, you have killed it. Hey. You, you, need to, you need to be romantic. It, it doesn't spoil your brand. <laughs> it, it doesn't spoil your brand as, as a Sunday school superintendent. Exactly. Then the lady is saying that, oh, today I'm feeling tired. Then you're quoting scripture. The lady says that, oh, I, I, I have come. Let, let the weak say I am strong. Because speak in the name of Jesus. Don't do that. Don't, uh, be caring. The scripture says that husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church. And he washes her, he cleanses her. You see how Christ pampers us. When Christ comes, the words he speaks concerning his church. Song of Solomon is actually uh, uh, it's, it's a song between Christ and the church. Look at the words there. Look at the sweet words there. You read it, aren't you happy? Every day, turn to your brother and say, learn how to talk, eh? learn, how, learn, how, learn how to talk, learn, learn how to talk. Eh, so you need to learn how to, to charm a lady. You don't go to a lady you are interested in and you go and say that the Lord revealed to me. What is this? Just carrying the lady. Eh, be nice. Eh, buy some nice gifts. Put some, some points be somewhere. Charlie. Then the ladies might be like, hey, what's this brother trying to communicate? Then tell her, you start doing things. Uh, you have to learn, and uh, you have to learn. Yeah, you have to learn. Don't go and see nice girl, then every day, let's do devotion, let's pray. <laughs> uh, you're disturbing the lady. Uh, uh, let's go for prayer work. Uh, you need to learn how to talk. Uh, am I communicating? Am I communicating? So you need to know how to charm a lady. Eh? Yes. So that, that you, if you don't know, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. He's a master teacher. He has words. Uh, yeah. You don't trust the Holy Spirit for things like this. 
you need to trust him. Holy Spirit, I like this girl. How do I go about it? Wow. To show you that, oh, buy this girl. Charlie, we're like, hey, I'm like, oh, I've been thinking about you all day and I thought of buying this for you. I'm like, oh, wow, this brother is thinking of me. The next day, text her, oh, I said, Charlie, be nice. They're engaging, open up. The lady is telling you that, oh, I wasn't able to pray today. I'm like, hey, woman of God, be spiritual. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't I? Yeah. Then, then you say that, oh, the Christian ladies, they don't like praying. That. So you tell her that, pray for us tonight. I like your voice when you pray. And she will pray. She will speak powerful tongues. Yeah. Turn to your brother and say, learn, 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 learn. I want to wrap up. I want to wrap up with the model man as a father now you need to recognize that as a man you pass on inheritance to your children and there are things you are doing in secret you think nobody is do- knowing about it but there are seeds you are sowing you are encoding it encrypting it on the dna of your children and they'll do worse things like that so whatever you are doing you are sowing seeds into your generation just think about it. So just look at the things you are doing, the kind of things you are telling ladies now, how you are treating women. You are sowing seeds. You are passing inheritance down, down. The scripture says that a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Not just children, children's children. You need to think about the kind of inheritance you are leaving for them. You need to lay a positive inheritance, a good heritage. I would have loved to tell you on, on a particular story, but I, there, there, there's, there's a, a story in history of two families, a, a Duke family and um, uh, another family, but I won't talk about that now. But there's this man in, in history, I've forgotten his name, but he was, I think he was the originator. He made the, um, at, uh, the bomb. I think it was atomic bomb, right? Uh, Alfred, Alfred Nobel. Alfred Nobel. He was the one who instituted the Nobel Prize. What some of you want to you know, he instituted it. Now, I think he had developed the bomb, right? And his brother died. His brother had died. Now, the moment his brother died, the newspaper started spreading negative information that Alfred, the wicked man, is dead. And his lawyer brought in the newspaper and says that, should we sue them? And he was like, no. Then he set up the Nobel Prize, such that in his going, in his passing, the kind of testimony that is behind him won't be a negative one. Should you die today? Or should you leave the scene today? What will be written on your tomb? A friend of mine says that you are only two generations away from being forgotten in your family. Two generations. Unless you leave a certain heritage in your family. Will you be the kind of ancestor that everybody coming to say that there was, we had an ancestor like this man? Or you'll be one that even your grandchildren don't even remember you. It all depends on the kind of seed you are showing now. As a father, You'll be able to determine the scope, the kind of culture that your family will operate by. How things, and you need to start now. What are some of your values, the values you value? 
those are some of the things you pass down to your children. I want us to set a very good heritage for our children. We want to be model men that God has instituted for us. We want to take our place as responsible priests, as servants, as kings, empowered of God, as potential husbands and fathers. And we will live our lives to the glory of God. We are praying for yourself and you are using yourself as a point of contact for all the men in AGCM. And you are asking God for grace. You are asking God for grace. You are asking God for grace. Yes, it is possible and God can do it through you. Yes, it is possible and God wants to do it through you. Yes, it is possible. He wants you to be a responsible man. He wants you to be a father that is available for his children. He wants you to be a responsible husband. He wants you to be a king who wields his rightful authority. He wants you to be a servant that is serving in dignity. He wants you to be a priest that is serving in dominion. Lead me there, lead me there, lead me there, where you are, lead me there, lead me there, oh, lead me there, lead me there, lead me there. Yeah!